I have a friend who's, you know, whose son, Timmy, you hear me tell stories about Timmy every once in a while, and he was telling me that Timmy was afraid of Santa Claus. And I said, really? He's afraid? He goes, yeah, but every time we go to the mall, you know, he just, he hides behind me, and he just doesn't want to see Santa Claus. And I said, did you, you know, find out what it is? He goes, yeah, it's some kind of claustrophobia. Bum, bum. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah, I know. I, I figured you would appreciate that. Now, see, I used to be afraid of Santa Claus, too, because I know, because I was always afraid that Santa Claus would cut me. Really? You know, little Saint Nick? <laughs> little Saint Nick, Nick, cut, Nick. Now, I'm here all week, you know what I'm saying? I am here all week, and I, I, I will get a reaction out of you one way or another. <laughs> see, <laughs> I know. See, my jokes are really for me, and if I laugh at them, that's all that matters. So thank you for bearing with me as I, uh, as I warm up here. <laughs> but we should, we should pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for this wonderful moment that you've given us because you are here with us. And we are so excited about you being with us. We are so overwhelmed that you would, you would just be, in, be with us, that you want to be with us, that you desire to be with us. I am so thrilled that you're here. I am so overwhelmed that you love us so desperately that you would want to speak to us through your word in order that we might understand your heart better. What a precious gift that is. And so we thank you for that. I, I praise you for this morning, for this opportunity to be able to speak from your word. And I pray this, Father, that you would empty me of me and that you would fill me with you so that everyone hears your voice, including me. We hear your words. We hear, hear what you want to express. We, we hear you, the way that you want us to know you. And it comes from your Holy Spirit today. We ask this, we thank you for it, and we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting a, a, a new sermon series called A White Elephant Christmas. A White Elephant Christmas. Have you ever been to a party where you ever played the White Elephant kind of gift exchange thing? Where it's kind of like this, you know, everyone's asked to bring a gift, and it's usually some kind of gag gift. It's something very inexpensive. Everybody's given a number, and you pick a gift from a pile according to the number that you have. And then you unwrap it, and you see what kind of a strange gift it might be. And, you, you know, every once in a while, someone actually buys a, a nice gift. Like last, a couple of years ago, we were at a party, and someone actually had a Starbucks gift card in it. And that became the prize gift to, to get from everybody. Because, you know what, if someone has a higher number than you, they can come and steal your gift, exchange what they pick for that. I think many people lost their Christianity that day. And uh, in order to get that gift card, be the last person to get that gift card, because there was other prizes like this. And I had to bring this because this is the kind of typical prize that you might get at one of these gift exchanges. And this is called the Christmas pickle. Okay? Now, the Christmas pickle, if you're from uh, German descent which we are, and we don't know anything about this tradition, but apparently, <laughs> apparently, back in the day, 
parents would hide a pickle somewhere deep in the tree. And if you were lucky, lucky, if you relish the idea of if you relish the idea of finding this pickle, you were awarded with first choice underneath the tree. That's a pretty good deal. So you you consider that all these kids tackling the tree to find the pickle. Okay, so we have the Christmas pickle here. Okay, that's be a typical gift that you would get at one of these white Christmas events. This game, this kind of thing that we play at at Christmas parties or holiday parties or whatever, uh, actually has it root in something historically accurate, believe it or not. Hundreds of years ago, the king of Siam, if he had an enemy or he had a rival that he wanted to basically ruin financially, he would give him a rare white albino elephant. Because they were considered to be sacred. So he would give it to his rival, and his rival could not refuse this because it came from the king, but he would spend almost all his money caring for this animal to make sure that this animal stayed alive because it was from the king. So he would spend his money, his time, all his effort would be revolved around taking care of this white elephant. It's kind of how where we got this game from. And you see a lot of things don't turn, turn out well for those who get a certain gift. What does that have to do with today? The subtitle to the sermon series is, What Will You Regift This Christmas? And all of us have regifted something at one time in our lives. I'm not asking for hands because we've done it, and you know who you are. <laughs> and it's actually okay, and we're going we're gonna to get to that in a minute. Those who are familiar with me, Barbara, and they're kind of used to me now, but I, I, my, my uh, sermon progression goes through a lot of different phases. Okay. So I was, I was fixated about this white elephant Christmas thing. And it led me to, to start to think about the songs that we sing during this, this season. And certainly there are so many wonderful, awesome songs. And I think one of the songs that you hear probably almost more than any is Oh Holy Night. I mean, you know, that song is so wonderfully beautiful, expresses the gospel so, so wonderful. It's a... It's a, it's a Hard song to sing, but it's a wonderful song. Listen to these just lyrics, okay? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared, and I love this line, to the soul felt its worth. I love that. I love this too. A thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new a glorious morn. You know, fall down on your knees. You know, the, the whole, this song is awesomely beautiful. It's just so difficult to say. But it is, it is just a wonderful, wonderful song. And for many, I think this song epitomizes the Christmas season for them. You know, that there is a, a thrill of hope. You know, they just love this season. It speaks to them. And every day... The, it, it just seems as it gets closer to Christmas Day, it just builds and builds, and they're just, they're just happy to be in this season. And then for others, 
It's not so much. The word thrill means a sudden feeling of excitement and pleasure. A sudden feeling of excitement and pleasure. But the Old English meaning is very interesting. In the Old English word, it means to pierce. To pierce. And I thought, I thought that was kind of fascinating for, to me. So a, you, equating a, a feeling of being thrilled is actually to be pierced. Think about that the next time you go and give blood or get a shot. And say you're thrilled about getting pierced. Many of us probably would say, no, that's not so exciting. Well, it might be exciting, but it's not so thrilling. But I thought about that in this light. There, there, are, there are many people walking in hopelessness and darkness this season that they need something to pierce that darkness. And what better pierces the darkness than the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I thought about a second song that kind of epitomizes these people. And this song is not really a Christmas song. But listen to this. It was, uh, this is actually for Lance. He should know this. Sung by B.B. King. The thrill is gone. It's gone away from me. The thrill is gone, baby. The thrill is gone away from me. Although I still live on. But so lonely I be. Wow. It's not a Christmas song, but I, I walk around through life, you know, through stores, and you see real people. You see the people who are excited about Christmas, man. You know, their cart, they got two or three carts that are full of stuff, okay? They're really, they're really into it. Uh, and then you see people kind of shuffling through life, and you know that their thrill is gone. You can see it on their face. You can hear it in their voice. And all this season reminds them of is their pain and their loss. This is why it is important to pierce their darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The angel said it best. You know, they said, and the angel said to them, For fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I bring you good news. I mean, the angels could have stopped there for me. I love good news. When you guys, you guys just bless my heart. Just thanking God for, for, just really for him. This is what you did. That's good news. That's good news. That news gets us excited. Sarah's right. It gets our, gets, gets us motivated. Gets our hearts up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got something to share too. Because God is good. But the angels didn't stop there. They said they had good news of great joy. That word in the Greek means is megas. And it means loud. It means mighty. It means plenty. Think about that. Not just great joy. Loud joy. Joy that gets your attention. Large joy. So much joy that you can't contain yourself. This is the kind of joy that the angels were telling about. Because born unto you this day in the city of Bethlehem, in the city of David, is the Messiah. That's why there's good news of great joy. Because Messiah has come. Messiah has come. So if you would, I would like you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. 
We're going to talk about and read about a man of hope. Now, before we read about this man, I want to explain a little bit of what hope means to the Jewish mindset. I think it was like two years ago I talked about the, the major word that the Hebrew, the Jewish people use for, for hope is the word tikva. And this word basically means to wrap a cord around yourself so that someone can pull you to safety, so that someone can rescue you. But the word picture doesn't start there. In the Jewish mindset, not only are you wrapping a cord around yourself, it's connected to your past so that you remember what God has done for you so that when it's also connected to the future of what God is going to do for you. So you are anchored to the future. You know that God is going to, his promises are true. They're going to come true because I know because of what he's done for me in the past. This is what hope means to the Jewish people at this time. And they are waiting for a Messiah. They are desperate for a Messiah. They are under Roman occupation. It is a dark and dreary time for them. There is a huge amount of destruction and pain and sorrow. But they, are, they have hope wrapped around themselves like a strong cord. Remembering what God had done for them in the past and believing the promises of what God would do in the future. So this, think about this as we read about this man, Simeon. And Simeon, this, this, I love this story. This is such an awesome, powerful story. It's a very short passage of scripture, but it's so powerful. So beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. And get this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is way before Acts. I mean, way before Acts. This man was filled with the Holy Spirit. Blows my mind. Really cool. And it had been revealed to him. That word means to, that imparted a divine message or transacting some kind of business. So God was giving him a message that was going to, that was going to close the deal here. It was going to close the deal here. Okay, okay? And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Jesus Christ. And he came in the Spirit, which means, this is what it said, he came in the Spirit, means he followed the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, dedicate Jesus basically, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. This is an awesome story. First of all, Simeon's name means God-hearer or God-receiver. I love that. That is so awesome. The Bible says he was a holy and devout man. He was, he, he was a righteous man. He was a man who was in love with God. And he got this vision 
It doesn't say when he got this vision. We don't know how young he was when he got this vision. We don't really know how old he is at this point, really. But we, the way the scripture is put together, we get the sense that this man is now advanced in age. And sometime in his youth, he was given a vision that he would not die until he saw Jesus Christ, saw the Messiah. This is amazing to me. This is huge. Every day, this man woke up expecting to see Jesus Christ. Every day, he expected that he was going to see the Messiah. So because, you know, although he was told that he wasn't going to see the, die until he saw the Messiah, he wasn't told when that was going to happen. He wasn't told where it was going to happen. And he wasn't even told what the Messiah looks like. Yet every day, this man was expecting to see the Messiah. He was anxious to see. He had hope. He had a strong cord tied around him to his past, what was said to him in his past, and he believed in the promise, what God said. He had a strong cord of hope wrapped around him, connected to this. So imagine this. Every day you wake up expecting to see the Messiah. One day the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go to the temple. He goes to the temple. The temple is is busy. There are a lot of people in the temple coming and going, bringing in sacrifices. Again, he doesn't know how the Messiah is going to look. He doesn't know what the Messiah looks like. He doesn't know if it's going to be a man or a child or a boy. He doesn't know any of these things. But he's anxiously, uh, not anxiously, anticipating seeing the Messiah. And he's there. And now he sees a young mother carrying a baby. Now, Mary can't be the only young mother in the temple this morning. I mean, it would be hard to imagine that she would be the only one. But perhaps she was. Still, Simeon is, is, is going through the crowd. Maybe he's walking through the crowd. And all of a sudden, he goes, comes like, does a double take and he sees, oh my, that, that's the Messiah. That's the Messiah. He runs over to Mary and takes the baby from her into his arms. Think about that for a minute. How do you recognize God? How would you recognize God? You have to be looking for him. You have to be anticipating that you're going to find him. The God that formed Simeon in his mother's womb. The God that created the universe. He was now holding in his arms. Do you think Simeon might have been a little thrilled? I'm talking mind blown. You waited your entire life for this moment. Your entire life. Maybe years and years and years. It, 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 you probably can't find the words at first. You're holding the creator of the universe in your arms. And your mind is thinking so many different things at the same time. And he comes up and he says, you know what? 
You kept your promise. You kept your promise. This is freaky, but you kept your promise. I mean, I'm holding you in my arms. Oh, God, I worship you. I think that's an amazing story of hope. Simeon never gave up hope that he would see the Messiah. He was actively looking for God to show up. And it speaks to me about how our response should be. Think about the best gift that you ever gotten at Christmas, not counting the pickle. Thinking about the best gift that you got on Christmas. Think about it. Can you remember, maybe when you were a kid, something you asked for, something that, that you, you know, thought that if you would never get? And like Ralphie in the Christmas story, who never thought he would get a BB gun, you know, and then he finds out that he, he actually gets a BB gun. You know, just the joy that you would think about that. What should our response be? knowing that we have been given the greatest gift that we have ever could get. The gift of eternal life. We don't get to hold the Messiah in our arms, but we do get to hold him in our hearts. We have been given a gift that is beyond what we can imagine. Does it thrill us so much to know that we have this gift that we do end up on our knees in worship and praise? And I think that the gospel message, you know, the wonderful thing, we know when the angels sang to the shepherds, what did they do? They said, come and let us go see the Messiah, basically. Let us go and find the Messiah. And the gift that they gave him was worship and praise. I love this story because it speaks of so much hope. So I was thinking that hope is not just something that we do, but hope is really something that we receive. Hope is something that we receive. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit, doing by the mighty, miraculous power of the Holy Spirit that you might abound, superabound in hope. Hope is not so, so, just something that we do. Hope is something that we receive from the God of hope who spoke all those years, all years ago that He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be redeemed. We have been given hope. I think the Bible teaches us about regifting. So if you felt guilty, guilty before about regifting gifts, I, the Bible does tell us that it's okay to regift. Matthew 10, 7 or 8 says this, Jesus told his disciples, as you go preaching, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, 
freely you have received, so freely give. It is okay to re-give. We're commanded to by Jesus himself to give of what we've been given. And we've been given this wonderful hope during this. And it, it comes alive during this season. It's in all the songs. It's in all our memories of good things that God has done for us. You said some of them today. And those kind of things wrap hope around us and connect us with what God has done for us in the past so that we can really trust in what he will do for us in the future. And the world desperately needs a message of hope. So I thought just about some simple things that we could give. These things are really inexpensive to give, to bring people hope. Really expensive, inexpensive, but really valuable. First, we tell them about the good news. About a Messiah that loves them so much that he was willing, and not just willing, but died for their sins. We remind them that the cross is not just about their sin, but about their value. About their value to that God who loves them desperately. So we can show people with acceptance. That's a huge gift to give someone. I accept you as you are. Because the last time I remember, that's what God did for me. When I came into the kingdom, he worked on me. He changed my heart, my behavior, my, my attitudes. All my heart started to change. But first he just accepted me. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. We can show people acceptance. We can show them love, of course. God is love. What better way to spread hope is to tell how much people to tell people how much God loves them. I wear this strange leather strapped around my wrist. You know how many people ask me about this? Almost everybody. My doctor asked me about it the other day during my physical. I said, it reminds me of God's love for me because it's a crown of thorns. He says, oh. (laughs) He's Jewish. But he did ask. But he did ask. Appreciation. Just telling someone that you appreciate what they've just done for you, that can cause... See, because all these things speak value into a person. Again, it reminds them of the value that God has already placed on their souls, on their lives. That's what hope is. Hope is knowing that you're valuable, that someone cares about you, that someone is willing... To be with you. And here's a big one. Kindness. Just being kind to people. 
During the Christmas season, people get angry, testy. You only have to stand in a line about 50 people long, and you'll see testy people in this line. And what I've done, I've let people go in front of me. Go right ahead. You, you look like you're a little bit. Go right ahead. I got all the time in the world. And that simple act of kindness, sometimes people look at you to go, Are you sure? I go, well, I'm only one person behind you. It's not going to make that much of a difference. But when you do it like two or three people, people start looking at you really strange. <laughs> people look at me strange all the time, so that's okay. But, I mean, just simple acts of kindness speak volumes to people. And this is a wonderful opportunity this year you know, where we're, you're probably seeing more people than you, than you maybe even care about, you know, during this time of season, either in stores or family parties or all kinds of parties. Or, it's just to be kind. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. His kindness. So there are multiple ways that we can infuse hope into this world. Simply by living out the gospel every day. Reminding people that there is a God that does love you as you are. He wants you to change because He knows as you change, you'll become more free. And as you become more free, you'll be healthier and and you'll be whole. He wants you whole, but He accepts you as you are. Loves you as you are. He wants you into His family. He wants you so much that He sent His Son 2,000 plus years ago as a baby. He grew up to be a Messiah who died on a cross. And not just died on the cross, but He rose up from the dead to make salvation complete. And you don't earn this. It's a gift. Would you like to meet Him? Gospel is not hard. Simple. But it is hope. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you want us to be agents of hope this morning. That you want, first of us, first of all, for us to know hope is in you. Our hope is in you. It is only in you. So we ask that you would you would tie around us like a strong cord, tikva. Hope, hope that we know, that we can be assured, that we can count on, that all your promises come true. We have seen it in our past. We are testified about it today. We pray, Father, that you would cause memories to stir up and we go, hey, yes, I remember when you did this for me. And so I have hope for my future. You are the God of hope. You're going to supply hope for us, and we thank you for that. We pray that you would help us be re-gifters of hope, not just during the Christmas season, but all year long. We pray you make opportunities for us to show kindness, approval, love, acceptance. And whatever else we need to say to someone that would, that would, that would encourage their heart to come closer to your heart and come into your kingdom. We thank you for this. Now bless my brothers and sisters as we leave this place today. I pray that you would bless them 
in their health. You would bless them in their finances. You would bless them in their relationships. I pray during this Christmas season that the thrill will not be gone. That a thrill of hope will help them in their own weariness. I pray, Father, that you would lift up their heads so they'll always be looking for you. And we thank you for this. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.